So look, we're, we're in a seven-part series uh, called One to One, O-N-E, number two to O-N-E. And uh, you can download that app if you want to on the App Store. Just type in that. You'll find it there. It's a discipleship app, app that's used. It's going to have the seven messages that we're going to be preaching, at least in some form or another in there. You'll know where we're headed. That way you can make sure you come to all of them. You won't pick and choose which ones you will come to and which ones you won't come to. Just eat the whole thing, okay? And uh, it's really a discipleship series. Uh, last week we talked about uh, salvation. Today we're going to speak about lordship. I believe that every believer needs to be, should be, ought to be uh, a disciple. A disciple is a student. That's what the word means. We're a student of Jesus. We learn from Jesus and we imitate Jesus from our heart. And, uh, and he puts us through a process. We could call it the process of discipleship. And uh, we shared with you last week, if you didn't get, get that, you can see it online at northwood.tv. But uh, discipleship made up of like three major parts. The first part is justification. That's where we're made right with God, where we get in right standing with God because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then there's, there's sanctification. Now that's where you live most of your life, sanctification. That's where God is working on you, working in you, causing you to you know, uh, hook up with his will and, and be changed. It's a transformed life. And then number three is glorification. And that is at the end of this whole thing, we're gonna be glorified. Come on, that's something good to look forward to. I mean, some of you young people, you say, I don't want to be glorified right now. I'm, I'm, I'm living in the glory in, in what I'm doing. Well, anyway, the day is coming where we're all going to be glorified and be with Jesus, and that's going to be a powerful, powerful time, and that ends up into eternity, and so it's very, very exciting. So if it's a process, we have to get in the process. And so lordship has everything to do with that. As a matter of fact, in the book of Acts chapter 2, when Peter stepped out of the, on the porch on the day of Pentecost and began to preach, that day 3,000 people got saved, he said, let all the house of Israel know, therefore, for certain that God has made him, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So he sets the standard right there. He says he's not just the Christ, the anointed one, he's not just Savior, but he's Lord also. Because lordship is really the, the center, uh, the great emphasis on lordship is found all through the, the word of God. 99 times in the book of Acts, you'll see the word Lord. 618 times in the New Testament overall, you see the Lord. And then when it comes to Savior, only twice in the book of Acts, and then only 24 times in the Gospels or, or in the whole New Testament. So you, the emphasis it's yes on Jesus as Savior, but even more so on Jesus as Lord of your life. It means that Jesus is boss of your life, that he is the one in charge that he calls the shots in your life. When our granddaughter, one of our granddaughters was, uh, well, Haley's right there. She's a little lady now, but she was a little kid. She went through this phase where she had to find out, she needed to know who the boss was. <laughs> I mean, you know, most kids go through that because they think they're the boss. So she thought she was the boss. Then we taught her, you're not the boss. So then she got that she wasn't the boss, but then she was still trying to find who was the boss. And finally, she realized that Papa was the boss, <laughs> you know? And she'd come and she'd say, I'm not the boss, you're the boss. But then later in life, all of us need to realize that it's not Papa who is the boss. It's not me who is the boss. It's Jesus who is the boss. He is the one in charge. He's large and he is in charge, you understand? And he knows what he's doing. So when it comes to us as looking at Jesus as, say, Savior, 
We don't have a problem with that. Jesus is the bleeding Savior. He died for our sin on the cross. You know, he was whipped. He was beaten. And we go through all that in detail, how he paid the price for sin. We taught you that last week. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But then we see Jesus now. He's been resurrected and ascended. And the Bible teaches us that he's in heaven at the right hand of the Father in a, in a place of power and authority, interceding for the church. So he's active today doing that. But then there is the future Jesus coming. Now, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But in the future, Jesus comes with a little bit different attitude. First, he came as a, you know, a baby born in a manger, you know, in swaddling clothes, and, 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 and he's coming back again. But he's not coming back again as a little baby. One baby, one time. One life, one time, one cross, one time, one resurrection. In Revelation chapter 19, it sort of paints the picture of Jesus coming back and shows what it's going to be like. John said, I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes were like flames of fire, and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on his robe on him that no one understood except himself. Now, that's amazing. We don't even know what that means. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his title was the Word of God. You find that in John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. The armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this, this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords. Now, I don't know about you, but I like that Jesus coming back. Powerful, mighty, decisive, judging, setting up government. Isaiah said the government will be on his shoulders forever and ever. And so, you know what? That's who I'm voting for in this primary. I'm voting for King Jesus. I believe he is the one that's going to bring the right things in line. Amen? Come on now. I know some of us all tied up in the, the elections and the caucuses and the, and the, and the this and the that. And, but let me tell you something right now. Jesus is Lord. And Jesus is boss. And just because he hadn't stood up just yet and, and, and made it all right doesn't mean that he's not. Because he's coming back. And he's coming back in power, man. That's exciting to me. I'm looking forward to that. I tell you right now, I don't care if I'm still here or if I've been going to him. I might be on one of those white horses with a little linen dress on. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't care. Man, if I'm on a horse with Jesus, I don't care what I look like. It don't matter what anybody thinks about. Look, man, just coming back because the Lord, he's stepping high. Remember that. Never forget that. And when the Lord steps, he steps high. That's going to be my last sermon I ever preach in this church. I'm telling you right now, the title is going to be, the Lord is stepping high. Amen? <laughs> Some of you don't know what that means. Just hang around. You'll know a couple years. Lordship. You know, lordship is born in our salvation. That's where it begins. Be because the starting point of an individual is acknowledging the lordship of Jesus Christ. You, you say, well, you know, I don't know about that. Well, you know, you need to know about that. You need to understand that confessing Jesus, 
Lord, it, it, it implies something powerful. It implies a submission to his lordship. And, and sometimes we got a real problem with submission, you know, because we're Americans and we're proud and, you know, we do a lot of things on our own. But did you know that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father? I mean, every knee. You say, I ain't never going to do that. Well, ain't never. every knee is going to bow. Just like Cuba's bowing to the knee of Jesus, every nation's going to bow. Every dictator's going to bow. Every system eventually is going to bow at the feet of Jesus. And the thing about giving ourselves to the Lord is that if he is not Lord of all, he is not Lord at all. We need to get this straight. You know, we compartmentalize our lives to such a degree that we let him be Lord over our church life but maybe not over our relation life, maybe not over our business life. Lord, you're, you're Lord over my life, but not over my business or my marriage or my thought life. We don't have an option of receiving him just as Savior. We have to receive him as Savior and Lord. There is no option there. It is the way it is. And, and you see, the thing is that salvation Giving ourselves to Jesus is not just this, well, it's an all-in or nothing proposition. I mean, it's like everything. It's like, I'm going to give you my life. That means you own me. Last week, we shared with you that we invite Jesus in, and we think someone other needs coming in like a little a cleaning lady. You know what I mean? Like he's got his little Windex with his little duster and his pledge and he's just going to kind of shine up a few things and straighten out a few pictures on the wall of your life. And next thing you know, we hear the machinery outside the door starting and all of a sudden Jesus comes up in the house and it's like, wait a minute, Lord, I didn't mean, and just, he just takes over. If you let him, if you let him. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, Paul said, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves bondservants for Jesus' sake. And that's a strange word to us, bondservant, but what it really means, it means a servant that was set free but still wants to serve. In, in other words, in, in, in these days, people owned other people. I owned you. And then if I decided to let you go free, you love me so much, I treated you so well that you said, you know, Van, you're setting me free, but I still want to serve you, so I'm going to serve you as a free will servant. And then, of course, they would go through some, some rituals and things to prove that to where it would show forever and ever. But isn't that just great? Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? Think about your life. We just sang it. You overcome, you make me free, I am free. You know, how can it be I'm free? And so when you give your heart to Jesus, you're free, and then you turn around and you say, I'm free to serve you. I'm free to give my entire life to you because you are Lord of my life. I no longer look at life with you as I've got to do this or I ought to do this. I look at it as I get to do this. I want to do this. And when your ought to's become your want to's, you're on the right path with Jesus. Because if you just live a life of ought to, ought to, you made yourself, you, you made your, your way to religion, but not to relationship with Jesus. Because he's not always just saying you ought to, you ought to. However, you'll see in the morning, sometimes he does that. Free will service. So lordship begins in our salvation, but it also begins in our heart. Now, now let, me, let me, can I just talk to you about your heart? 
Because our, sometimes we get our head and our heart mixed up. And, and we, we have things in our head because we're, we're intellectual people and we, we grasp facts and figures and concepts about God and who he is and what we should be and what are the steps to salvation and what are the steps in discipleship and we, we check blocks off, we make things right, all with a, with a mental ascent, a, a mental picture, a, a, a mental duty, not realizing that, not realizing that God is after our heart. He wants the inside of us. He's much more interested in getting on the inside of you and beginning to work than the outside. Religion works from the outside in. Relationship works from the inside out. When the prophet Samuel came to pick King David out, he looked at all the people and the Lord spoke to him and said, you know what, uh, Samuel, you, you men, they look on the outside all the time, but, but I'm looking on the heart. I'm looking for a man that has a heart. And that's why when people come into the church or into your life, you know, the outside might be kind of messed up. But, but, but if God is working on the inside, something good's going to happen. You know, when Jan and I got saved, you know, we, we, we weren't saved people. We weren't like Christians. We, weren't, we were lost. And, and, and we got saved. And on the inside, we got saved. And then God began to work from the inside out and and, and it's amazing because we had a family picture at that time. We only had Carrie hanging in our hallway and, and it was a great picture. I mean, you know, we, we, but when I looked at myself in that picture, I realized that it was an empty man, a sad person, an insecure individual. And then of course, after I got saved, I realized I was looking at a sinner a person disconnected from God. And it was so obvious on the outside. Well, I'm glad God didn't stop right in and say, you don't look like a person that could get saved. Like God was scared of somebody who didn't love him. Instead, God said, let's forget about all that. Let me get in this heart because the heart is the problem and the heart is the answer. It's the answer to everything. The heart is. Romans chapter 10, verse nine said, as you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God, that you're justified with God. And it is by confessing with your mouth that you are saved. And this here, this is the very beginning of the transformed life. You see, folks, Jesus wants to transform your life. It is a process that we need to get into and that we need to stay into. It's not following a bunch of religious rules and regulations. Rather, it's lordship. I make you Lord of my life before I even know what that means. I'm trusting you completely before you tell me anything. I'm lost, you're not, I need to be found. I'm gonna trust you. It's an internal submission but it always ends in external obedience. When the heart is touched, the whole life is touched. It's like a marriage ceremony. We went to a marriage ceremony yesterday, and as the minister was sharing some things, I bent over and I told Jan, I mean, he was getting down on some vows, you know what I mean, and what the man should be, and I told Jan, I said, whoa, is that what I got into when I married you? Because, you know, the vows that, you know, and everybody said, I never, I've never officiated a wedding where when I got to the vows, somebody said, Nah, I, I don't want to get into that. Sometimes they write their own vows. 
kind of pukey when you write your own vows because you're kind of like giving your way, a way out. They say, Pastor, you mind writing the vows? Yeah, I'll write some vows. <laughs> and we, we say those vows because it's a ceremony. It's a beautiful day. It's so, it's so wonderful. It's like, yes, I'll promise you anything. For rich or poor, baby, I'm with you. And then eight months later when you're poor, you got to rethink the vows. Did I really mean poor? Because we are like poor, dude. Ain't you got more money than that? I thought you had more money. You look good. Y'all dressed up on that day. What happened? Well, baby, I spent all the money on the wedding, you know. And you have to work through the vows. And working through the vows is not always the easiest thing in the world to do. You've got to stay up on those vows. Ephesians 6, 6 says, not with eye service as men please, just meaning that's outward, eye service, just what people can see. And, and if you're in eye service, it's just outward, you'll please some men, but you may not please God. But as bondservants of Christ doing the will of God, and where do you do the will of God? You do it from the heart, not from the head, not from just keeping these rules. And then Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 3, but in your heart, Honor Christ the Lord as king. I believe what, what, what Jesus is trying to tell us is that the only thing worth anything is what comes from the heart. Everything else, I'm not sure it has a lot of value because he knows our heart. He looks to our heart. And then he looks to our obedience because lordship demands obedience. That's why I use the word. Lordship demands obedience. You know, when your boss tells you to do something, he demands it. He, he expects that it's going to be done. You know what I'm saying? And we do it because we get paid. But then with Jesus, it's like we're not getting paid, at least not now. Sometimes payday doesn't come every Friday in the kingdom of God. But, but it demands obedience, because, and, and obedience is not optional. It's not optional equipment on this vehicle. I mean, it is standard if you understand what I'm saying. And, and anyone who claims that Jesus is Lord of his or her life is expected to do what he says to do. I mean, have you said Jesus is Lord of my life? Otherwise, if not, then it's just empty confession. And it doesn't have any power. It's like raising your hand to, 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 to pray to get saved and say, yeah, I, Jesus, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. I don't want to go to hell. Forgive me. And then just standing still and never pursuing him and never, ever walking in obedience with him. Our lifestyle should back up our claim. Our lifestyle has to back up our claim. So, so very important. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus speaks some very, very powerful words. As a matter of fact, this morning in your one-year Bible, if you're, if you're trekking the one-year Bible, there, there's a variation of, of this, uh, Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says these words. Not everyone who, who calls out to me, Lord, Lord. Not everyone who has empty words. Not everyone who just says things, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only... Those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Action words. What he's saying is don't just say it, do it. Don't, don't just say, you know, yeah, you're my Lord. He said, do something. Do the will of God. Do the will of God. And then you'll enter heaven. 
On that judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Now, we could spend a week on this particular verse. But what caught my heart was, I don't want Jesus to look at me and say, you thought you knew me, but I never knew you. You were convinced that you knew me, but I didn't know you. You see, it's one thing for me to know Jesus. It's another thing for him to know me. It's a two-way street. And so I don't want to just come to him with empty words of just, yeah, Lord, yeah, Lord, you're great. Come on, Lord. Yeah, Jesus. But I want to come to him with moving and grooving in what he's doing. I think what Jesus is doing here is he's simply drawing a line in the sand between what we say and what we do. Because many times what we say is not what we do. And vice versa, what we do is not necessarily what we confessed. James chapter one, verse 22 tells it very, very carefully to us. He says, anyone who listens to my teachings and, 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 and doesn't follow and doesn't do what it says, you know, th there's a problem there. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Let's meditate on that for a minute, folks. Don't only hear what pastor's saying today. Let's do what the Word of God says. We can hear. We all hear. We hear. As a matter of fact, someone once said, we have been educated far past our ability to obey. Man, you have heard some stuff. We have heard some stuff. Man, I mean, you don't even have to go to church to hear the gospel. It's everywhere you turn. It's on billboards, on the radio, it's on movies, it's everywhere you go. The gospel's being preached. The word of God. And then our own heart teaches us and tells us many times what is the thing we ought to do. Now, I'm not trying to teach you do's and don'ts, although the word of God is all full of do's and don'ts. And we should do some do's and we should don't some don'ts. If you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it's all, it's all full of that. So don't get off that, that, oh, God's just putting a rule on me. No, no, God's trying to save our soul. God's trying to, to bring it. Lordship is not about Jesus putting stuff on us. Lordship is about Jesus leading us where we ought to go. That's what lordship is all about. Jesus taught that quite well to his disciples when he said, you know, the lords of this world, the kings of this world, those in authority in this world, they lord it over you, but it is not that way with the kingdom. With the kingdom, if you want to be great, you got to be the servant of all. And Jesus was a prime example of that. My goodness. I want to be obedient to God because it's an outward expression of an inward conviction. Now you say, well, where does conviction come from? Conviction comes from, from, from the word of God. I can tell you right now, if you'll just read the word of God with an open heart, if you'll just take it and just read it, I mean, you got to read 20 chapters a day. If you'll just read the Word of God on a regular basis, your conviction level will rise and rise. And I suggest you read it by yourself because that's when the Lord got you. That way you can't say, well, you're reading it with your wife. Say, well, I sure hope she gets this. I'm not going to say anything because if I say it, then she's just going to get mad. But Lord, would, as we're reading this, would you just convict her good about this one? Thank you, Lord. 
No, you read it all by yourself, and when that thing comes, it's, there's nobody else in the room. And so I guess, God, I suppose possibly you're speaking, I guess, to me. I'm the only one here. And your conviction level will go up. Because you see, folks, Jesus is your Lord over your life. I am not your Lord. Your pastor is not your Lord. Your spouse is not your Lord. And you young people who know Jesus, your parents are not your Lord. They're still your boss, but not your Lord. You want to be your boss, you got to move out and pay the rent. But too often we, we, we gravitate to people and we actually make them more powerful in our life than the Lord Christ. You want to know how I know that? Because we'll do things in front of God that we will not do in front of people. That was a good place to say amen right there. I mean, that was like, if there was going to be one amen all day, that would have been it. Because we do that. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the one who takes a look at you. Jesus will be your judge. But Jesus is your Lord and your helper. There's a result of obedience. And you know, last thing I want to do is just keep a rule and there not be any reward for it. But the good thing about being obedient to the Lord from the heart, remember, not an ought to, but a get to, there, there's a great result. Jesus spoke about it in Matthew chapter 7 when he said, anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is wise. You want to be wise? Be obedient. Follow Jesus, you're wise. Not smart. Did you know you can be wise and not be smart? We get that mixed up. We get smart. We get intellectual and wise mixed up. Wisdom is the ability to use the smarts. But you can be real smart and be real unwise. He says somebody who listens and follows, they're wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Now, the amazing thing is, is that he didn't say that the trouble wasn't going to come. He said the rains are coming, the, the winds are going to blow in our lives in a tremendous way. But if we're wise, if we are obedient to his lordship, to his leader lordship, he's going to bring a calm to every storm. I love that song that we just worshiped with. The winds and waves still know his name. He is still able to calm the storms that come into your life. He will calm the storms. You know, every Tuesday, I get every prayer request that's written down on the connect cards in the church. If you have, a, if you have something you want to pray about, you want the staff, we, we've sent it to the prayer teams, and then we pray over it. Just take the connect card out in front of you right there in the seat pocket, write all your prayer requests, put it in the connect table at any lobby in the info center, and we get those. And I get those prayer requests, and I realize that people are in real storms of life. I mean, really serious stuff. I'm not talking about, would you pray that the Lord would get me a new car because mine's kind of old. I'm talking about life situations that are horrendous. I'm talking about storms. I'm talking about wind blowing hard and water rising fast and people just desperate for God to do something. And then others continually 
chime in and ask for prayer. But I want to pray that Jesus would be my Lord. I want you to pray for me that I would surrender to the Lord. Well, if you're in here and you've been praying those kind of prayers, let me, let me give you an answer to prayer right now. Just go ahead and surrender to Jesus before you leave this room and start walking with him and he'll teach you and show you and he will become Lord of your life. He will. It's just amazing. But then, then he says, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's some results for disobedience too. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. I mean, here he just puts it so plainly. James echoes what he said. He was his brother. He kind of said, you know, I, gotta, I'm, I think I'm going to say what Jesus said. Do what he says and be blessed in all your ways. Be obedient to him and reap the benefits of, of wisdom and of protection and of security even in the storms of life. And they'll come, man. Look, bad stuff's going to happen to you. I'm sorry. I'm the one that's got to break the news to you. Not everything's worked fine. I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't know that anybody works harder in having a, a good life than me. I like, look, I like everything straight, nice, neat. I mean, just going to fix every problem Got to fix every problem because we're going to have a smooth life. You hear me? <laughs> and I realize that that's an impossibility. It's just not going to happen. Even if I was in a cardboard box all by myself, I would still have situations that I would have to work out. Amen? Amen. The Lordship of Christ is a continual walk. It's not just acknowledging him as Lord. It's walking with him completely for the rest of your life. It's, it's having this ongoing submitted relationship to him. I love what Colossians 2 says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. You don't just do it. You continue to follow him. You stay married to him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. You know what this teaches me? This teaches me that lordship brings maturity. That when, when, I, when I make him the center, when I make him lord of my life, when I, when I obey him from the heart, it, uh, I mature in God. My faith grows because I see that submitting to him, he's trustworthy. I see that believing him takes me through the trials and the trouble. I see that standing on his grace and his power, when, when things that are negative happen to me, I don't come off all negative and become brutal to other people. I see that. I, 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 I grow in him. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Just continue obeying him. See, walking in grace. Folks, we all know that grace is unmerited favor. That's how people are saved. You're saved by grace, not by any works that you've done. You're saved by faith in the grace of God. We know that, but listen. Grace is something even greater than that, or, or should I say it's expanded in that grace is God's power in you to accomplish God's will for you. 
Don't just put grace off at salvation. I mean, saved by grace, that's it. Grace is a working thing that is a power in you that gives you the, the, the ability to obey the will of God. That's why you cannot frustrate the grace of God. That's why you cannot just say, oh, well, grace, whatever. You know, I know it's grace, but just let it go. I'll do whatever, God. Maybe I'll go with you, and maybe I won't go with you. I believe that we need to kind of just straighten up, folks, as disciples, learn the lessons from the heart, and then come to a place where we're obedient in everything so that Jesus can point to us and say, that is my church. Those who are obedient from their heart, those bondservants, though they were set free, yet they stayed with me to serve me. And then there's practical application. There's questions that we can ask just to help you zero in on this. Questions like, are there areas in your life that you have not yet submitted to the Lordship of Christ? I mean, really. Think about that. Don't answer me. I don't want to know. I don't need to know. There's no power in the pastor knowing. So many people think the pastor knows everything. Like They come and say, I guess you heard. Well, no, I didn't. I don't know. Tell me about it. It's about the areas of my life that I've not yet submitted to the Lord. What are they? They may be different for different people. Then are your relationships under his lordship, especially you who are single in this room. Have you submitted that relationship, that gal or that guy that you like so much, have you submitted that to the Lord at least for an inspection of character of that individual? To see if maybe there's an outside chance that it could be that you might not ought to be involved with them. I've, I've taught you, look, listen, don't, don't take a bozo if you're waiting for a Boaz. Don't do that. And some of you are taking up on that and your life is better, I'll guarantee you that. Who wants to be married to bozo? I mean, really. But if you don't pass it by the Lord, you might just be deceived. And then you end up having to live with a person who doesn't, not only doesn't love the Lord, but doesn't want you to love him. And that's a problem. That's a negative thing that could take place. You know, is your, you know, how about this? Are all of your finances under the Lordship of Christ? Think about that. Your finances. Have you submitted that to the Lordship of Christ? You see, it's every, it's all or none. You know, now, now there are reasons why people don't submit their finances to the Lord. Some it's fear. They just fear. I, 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 well, what it is, it's lack of trust. Jan and I have not missed a tithe to the Lord. Notice I said to the Lord, through the local church, but to the Lord, in 36 years, not one. And the Lord has never failed to supply our needs completely. Just just completely. It's lordship. Is he lord over your finances? You know what would happen if all the people in the church would tithe? We would plant a million churches. The kingdom of God would just like wildfire just spread to places that we don't even know how to pronounce the name. Men and women would be sent and just grow churches so fast if everybody just gave. I remember talking to Pastor Larry one day. He said, man, I wish I knew how to get all the people in the church to give. (laughs) 
I would ask the same questions. <laughs> I would say the same thing. I would just wonder what it would take for people to make Jesus Lord over their finances, over their relationships, you know, over their time. Do we submit our time to the Lord? Have you ever given the Lord enough time to say, Lord, what about my time? I got 24 hours in a day. What do you want me to do with it? Is it all supposed to be over here, 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 and here? Or do you want me to kind of push that aside and do this, this, and this? That's lordship. No one can make you. You want to be a bondservant. But know this, that lordship trumps every desire, every plan, and every expectation that you might ever have in your life. Let's bow our heads together for just a moment, if you don't mind. Just get along with God right there, right there in your chair, just you. And ask the Lord those questions. Lord, you know, if I submitted every error to, to you, I'm, I'm going to just examine myself right now. Or my relationships, or, you know, have I submitted my money to you? Have I submitted my time to you? Have, have I submitted my whole heart to you? Do you have all my heart, Lord? Or have I just compartmentalized my life and just given you a couple of rooms out in the back of the house? That's something that you have to decide. Father, I'm just asking you to Open up our hearts, God, as we open our hearts. And Father, examine our lives. See, Lord, if there's anything in us that's contrary to what you would desire. There are things hidden in there, God, that we have not allowed you to be Lord of. Things you wanted to extract or things you wanted to input. Just pray that, Father, you would open up our hearts and do a work. Just right here in this room. Begin it right now, Lord. Now, while you're praying and while you're just examining those things, let me just talk to you in this room who, maybe you like me 36 years ago. I didn't know God. I mean, I just, you know, I was just out there just living blindly. But then the Lord began to work on us and we begin to read the word of God and things begin to change in our life even before we committed to him. And I remember the night we gave our heart to Jesus that all I simply did was got honest and to myself, God already knew. I got honest and I said, I'm, I'm not what is pleasing to God. I'm not connected. I'm totally disconnected. I don't know God at all. Lord, I don't even know you. I don't know anything about you. I'm lost. I need to be saved. And once that happened, when we knelt down and gave our hearts to Jesus, he came in big time. And he just began to change our lives tremendously from the inside out. So if that's you and you're sitting in a chair right now and you're not assured of your life with Christ, you don't, you're not connected to him, you, or maybe you're just all confused, this is your day to let Jesus bring some clear word into your, into your heart. He doesn't want to just clear your slate of sin and things of that nature. He wants to give you a whole brand new slate, a whole brand new life. If that's what you desire, if you desire to come underneath his lordship right now, I want to pray for you right where you are. While every head is bowed and every eye is closed, this is what I want you to do. I just want you to just lift your hand up. You can lift it up and put it right back down and say, that's what I want in my life. Thank you. Right here over here on my left. Thank you. Right here in the center, center, in the back. Thank you. That's right over to my right. Thank you. Anybody else? You're just saying, you know, it's time. Me. I need that right now in my life. 
Thank you. Even if you didn't raise your hand, I want to pray with you right now. But remember this, it's not a one-time thing. So many people just raise their hand and then that's it. This is a commitment to the Lord that you're going to give him full control of your life. So if you mean that, if your heart is open, I want you to repeat this simple prayer. I'm just going to help you pray. Just say these words. Say, Father in heaven, I'm lost and separated from you. I need to be saved. And I need Jesus to be my Lord. So I commit to you. I confess my sin to you. And I ask you to forgive me. Come and change me. Make me the person you want me to be. Today I receive Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. And I will serve you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's thank the Lord. Come on. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.